believe in miracles? Yes. yes. Awesome. You believe that God can, can supernaturally intervene in our lives to bring his salvation, his wholeness, his, his healing, and his peace? See, I'm glad you did because, see, I, I grew up, I've known Jesus most of my life, and for a lot of that period, I didn't know that he was still doing miracles today. You know, I, I, I didn't understand that, that, much less that he was doing miracles, but actually that Christians, we are called to actually partner with him, to extend and make these miracles happen again. See, now, the, the church that I grew up with, it, it really didn't have uh, an understanding of how to do Holy Spirit ministry, at least not as I know it today. Now, it was, a, it was an, a great church filled with great people, and I'm, I'm deeply grateful for the deposit that it made in my faith journey. But there really wasn't a grid for the miraculous in this church. Now, there, there was one, one exception uh, to, this, to this story, and this is a, a story I want to I tell you about today. So there was a man in this church, and this was, I was probably a young teenager when this happened, so much further ago than I want to talk about today. But this man had been diagnosed with a, a terminal illness, and he'd been dealing with it, I, I think, for a number of years at this point. And the pastor announced that we were going to do a special time in the service where they were actually going to pray for this man. Now, this was completely outside the norm. When I say there was a special time in the service, that wasn't like the designated time. It was the only time that I ever remember this happening. So I, I remember being very excited, like, well, what, what's going to happen? What are we going to do here? And so I remember we, we came to that Sunday and at that point in the service, and they, they invite him up to the front, and the, the pastor and the, and the elders, they gathered around him, and they began to pray. And you know, they even, like, they, they put their hands on, first time I've seen this. They were they anointed with oil. It was like my first vineyard experience, and I had no idea what the vineyard was at this point. Now, here's where it differed, though. See, what, what, I, was, what I was listening for was, like, understanding how this was going to work, and what, what I heard was, and, and, and people with good intentions, praying sincere prayers, unsure whether God actually wanted to heal. Unsure whether they should even, maybe even be praying for healing. Worried that maybe there was a sin problem that was actually causing this and they needed forgiveness for that. What I heard was this, God, just change your mind. And so I, I came away from that kind of confused. And, you know, unfortunately, sadly, later that, that man, he did pass away uh, a number of months later. But that, that moment, that experience, it stuck with me. One, because I wanted to know, like, how does God interact with his people? Does he still do that? But my grid for it and for understanding how God might move in miraculous ways was, was, was set in this idea that, well, if we want the miraculous to come or healing to come, we have to beg God to change his mind. And so this, this, this grid, it stuck with me for a number of years until I came, came here to the vineyard. Now, that was a whole different experience. Let me tell you. So this, is, this was not my norm at all. And these people are coming up. Can I pray for you right now? Like, what do you mean right now? Like today, later, or like in this moment, moment? And, and not only did they want to pray right now, they actually expected something to happen. Now, imagine this is me coming in with a completely different grid. And they're asking, hey, hey can, uh, can we pray for you right now? I'm gonna, and then they're explaining what they're going to do. Well, I'm going I'm to put my hands on you. Then I'm going to listen for voices. There's a chance I could speak in a language that nobody actually understands. And you may fall down like you just got electrocuted. Please remove your hands, sir. People get PhDs to talk to people like you, okay? There's a reason. I was more tactful in that, and I got over it. 
But when our perspectives are, are so vastly different, when our worldviews are so vastly different, this is what we can expect. Now, as I got over that, what, what God did is he continued to pull me in. And I became to be very interested in, like, why was their experience so different than mine? What was so, so different about their paradigm? I knew Jesus. They knew Jesus. What was so different about their expectation of how God could intersect with their lives and my life? I didn't know that I could even partner with the Holy Spirit in any of this. It was completely out, outside my grid. And then as I began to do some more research, I realized, like, all this stuff that I thought was just crazy, it's right here. It had been here all along, I just wasn't seeing it. And in fact, I want to read today uh, from Matthew 10. This is Matthew 10, verses 7 through 8. And just to highlight that this stuff is here, this is Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples. He's, he's sending them out to go, to go do some basic missions work. And he says, go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. It, it was here. All, all this time, it's, it's right here. You look through the Gospels, you look through the, 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 the epistles, all of it, it's, it's here. All threaded throughout God's miraculous power being put on display by his people. This, this was all new to me. But it wasn't until I was, I was around a community of believers who had already caught this revelation that God was able to help me catch this understanding that I'm called to actually extend the miraculous to the world around me. Now, this, this idea that we're all empowered to partner with the Holy Spirit, that's not unique to us individually as a church. In fact, it's actually a, a larger part of our heritage here in the Vineyard Movement all across the world. And, and in fact, there's a man named, named John Wimber who's credited as one of the founding uh, uh, leaders of the Vineyard Movement. And this was one of the incredible deposits uh, that he actually made. Now, now, John, if you don't know who John Wimber is, I encourage you, look up his, just look it up. You can Google his name, you can look up his life. His life had a, had a radical uh, uh, just uh, effect on the church uh, of his day through the, the 80s and 90s and, and continues through to do even today. But, but he had this radical encounter <clears throat> with God's love and then he wanted to like start figuring out what it actually meant to follow Jesus and he began to be, be frustrated with the experience of the church that he was in at the time because they, they, they didn't seem to be doing the stuff that he thought was so cool in there. Now, he actually tells this story, and he has a testimony of this, and we're actually going to watch a little video, and some of you may have seen this video before, but I think it, it tells the story so much better than I could. So I want to watch that right now and just, just catch here this, this understanding of, of this deposit that he has made into the Vineyard Movement, this idea that we all are empowered to do the stuff. Let's watch this video. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Did you like that one? Huh? How about it? Did you like that one? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, mm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. 
You know what I thought they did at church? I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out and healed a few and cast out a few demons and won a few people to Christ before lunch. And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now, that's pathetic, <laughs> isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. <laughs> Didn't he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. And we understand that it can be done. Come on. I love watching that video. It always makes me want to like, all right, everybody stand up. Let's go. But he doesn't understand church people because nothing gets done before lunch on a Sunday. It's one mistake that he made. Somewhere, sometime, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book, right? See, he wasn't content to just have head knowledge uh, about what Jesus did. He wanted to do the stuff that Jesus did. Got to do all the stuff when I was working for the devil. Got to do all his stuff. Fully expected to do all the stuff that Jesus did when I'm following Jesus. So that, that, was, that was an incredibly transformative message to the church of that time. And it's still transformative today for us. So when you hear us talking about doing the stuff, that's what we mean. It's doing the stuff that Jesus did. We get to be a part of that. We actually get to do more than just learn about what he did and realize that it's important. We actually get to be a people who partner with it to make it happen. Come on. See, Wimber had discovered a really important biblical truth. He discovered the truth of John 14, 12. And I want to read this verse right now. We're actually going to come back to this, this passage a little bit later as well. But this verse, it was, it was super important to, to what he was doing. It's, it's a foundational verse for our church as well. Again, this is John 14, 12. And again, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. It says this, I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. 
And when you hear that, that, that same works and greater works, those works are, the, imagine, the miraculous work and power of Jesus. That's what he's talking about. We're called to know, do more than just know about it. We're actually to be active participants in extending the work of Jesus to the world around us. That's who we get to be. But what if you're, you're just not sure about all this? You know, our skepticism rise up. We have, we have doubts. I, I have doubts that I have to walk through. Are miracles real? And, and, if, and if miracles are real, is, isn't that God that does those miracles? How am I supposed to be one that's participating in this? And, and there's a lot of reasons to feel like we're not qualified to live this, this naturally supernatural lifestyle that the Bible calls us to. Maybe we don't feel like, one, that we're just, we're qualified. We don't know enough. We're not good enough. We've got guilt and shame that, that hold us back and say, oh, you know, I, I got to fix those things before I get to do anything. Maybe for some of us, we're just, we're working from our own power, our own self-effort, because that's what the world tells us we're supposed to do. Pick yourself up from your bootstraps, keep going, work hard and make sure your life's right. If it's not right, work harder to fix it, and then maybe God will come and intersect your life. And for many of us, even if we do believe, we haven't yet caught this understanding that we're actually called to do this as a normal part of our Christian life. See, when we don't understand how we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to, to live this out, we're missing out on one of God's greatest gifts to his people. We have to understand this idea. We are not just an audience who's learning about it. We're an army and we have marching orders. See, God's given us uh, a mission that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, right? He, he's given us this understanding that, that we have been given something that goes beyond ourselves. And that mission is this, that we are in, encounter love, we experience transformation, and then we extend the miraculous. And it's because we've experienced uh, or encountered that love and experienced that transformation that now we've been empowered to actually do that thing of extending the miraculous. And this is, here's what's important to understand about this, this mission that God has given us. Think of it as, as, as a circle that continues to perpetuate itself. See, we, we encounter love so that we can experience transformation, so we can extend the miraculous to others who will encounter his love, who will experience transformation, and who will extend the miraculous to others on into the future. It continues to perpetuate itself because that's what God's called us to do. And, and understanding this miraculous thing it's not just a one-dimensional thing. It's easy to sometimes we think about, about miracles like, well, like physical healing. I can get my head around that. That makes sense to me. And that's certainly a, a part of it, but it's not all of it. See, the, the miraculous is this inbreaking power of God's kingdom through the Holy Spirit to transform our lives in ways that would otherwise be impossible. So as Christians, our, our very first miracle that we get to experience is, is the salvation that we're made a new creation, that Jesus comes to live inside of us, that's, that's truly miraculous. And of course, we talked about physical healing, that's a part of it too, but it, it can be more than that. It can, be, it can be healing from trauma. It can be peace in an impossible situation. It can be freedom from addiction. It can be restored relationships. It can be comfort when we're, when we're mourning the loss of someone that we love. There are so many ways for the miraculous to look in our life. But when we talk about extending the miraculous, we extend the miraculous when we partner with the Holy Spirit in everything we do in our life. It's a natural part of that. 
And when God brings this miraculous into our life, it's always meant to go beyond ourselves. Remember those, those words of Matthew 10 that we read, that, that we are to give as freely as we have received. See, when, when God is so generous with us, and he expects us to be just as generous to others because of his generosity to us. And, and this idea that we're called to give it away, we have, we have a great example in our founding pastors, Happy and Diane. See, they had a miraculous encounter uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they got so excited they just had to tell the whole town about it. It was this, this excitement to see this happen. It was that, that extension, that desire to extend the miraculous that it led them to start and plant this church. Because they'd had this, this encounter with God's miraculous power that healed their barrenness, allowed them to have children. And what, you know what I love about when God comes in and, and touches us and we get to experience the miraculous? Is it's never just for ourselves, right? That's what we said. So it can be personal for others as well. For me, I have my wife. She's here because they pressed in for a miracle, their daughter. And my four kids are another extension of the miracle that they pressed in for. That's me eating uh, the fruit from a tree I didn't plant. We talk about that, right? See, they were just thought they were just starting a, normal, a natural family. But God had a, a supernatural destiny, a miraculous destiny in mind, as he often does. But what they were experiencing was living out John 14. And I want to actually go back to this passage again and read uh, a little bit more. This time we're going to start in verse 11 and read through verse uh, 17. And just catch the amazing promises in this, in this scripture. It says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. I tell you the truth that anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. That, that is some incredible promises, right? We, we talked about what an incredible promise. Not only do we get to participate in this, Jesus says we're actually going to do even greater works. That's, that's, that should blow your mind. Jesus did some pretty incredible things when he was here on the earth. See, we, we only get to do that because we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're called to be his hands and feet because why? He's in union and relationship with us. But he says we get to do these incredible things. We're going to need a miracle just for that to happen. He says, I took care of that too. I sent you the Holy Spirit, the advocate, who's never going to leave you. See, we, we can't do this. this. This Holy Spirit, this connection to him, it's the key to the Christian life. We can't do any of the things that God calls us to do unless we are connected and have God's Holy Spirit alive and working in our life. And then he says, obey my commandments. What is that? He's, he's telling us that we're his disciples. He's teaching us. He's showing us. And see, the, the Jesus' disciples, they often called him rabbi, right? Rabbi meaning teacher. And so we understand this idea of discipleship through the Jewish tradition of a rabbi. And so a rabbi, of course, he taught his disciples everything that he knew. So there was this head knowledge piece that went with it. But there was also a full expectation that his disciples would learn to emulate and do everything that the rabbi taught and did. Even the, to the way that he did it. See, symbolically, the rabbi understood that he was going to live on through the life of his disciples. And so Jesus as rabbi, of course, he not only lives on as the resurrected son of God, which he does, but he also lives on because of his disciples. 
And so he taught his disciples and showed them everything that they were to do. And then they taught and showed other disciples, and they taught other disciples all the way in a chain to you and to I. Jesus extended the miraculous, so we extend the miraculous because we are his disciples. And not just from a, from a tradition of history and people passing it on, but because Jesus is living in us, discipling us, in union with us, in connection with us. That is the power of Jesus in us. See, we're called to continue this work because of Jesus. But Jesus is kind of a hard example to follow, isn't he? <laughs> he kind of got it right, like, all the time. That's hard, like... I don't, can I, can I do that? Can I get it right every single time? That's hard to think about. He saw amazing miracles wherever he went. He saw the sick healed, the lame walking, demons delivered. Like, he just left people better wherever he was at. And he got it right. But what happens when, when that miracle doesn't happen when we press in? When the miracle that we're pressing in for ourselves or maybe for somebody else, it, it hasn't happened or it doesn't happen. That can be really discouraging. It can be really hard. I, I understand. I, I, I've walked through some of this. You know, my, my own father has been battling Parkinson's for 20 years. And I can tell you there have been thousands of prayers. And yet still not completely healed. So I find myself sometimes just, I'm, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Like, God, why? What do we have to do? And the crazy thing is, like, my, my dad has a better attitude and, like, attitude towards the, the whole situation and towards God than I do most of the time. So thank you, God, for Dad, for setting a great example. I appreciate you. Love you. But there's a mystery that we have to walk through. There's, there's the mystery that God speaks to me about and, and has spoken to us about in the Bible that we can't always know what's going on. And that we have to walk through a battle. We live right now in, in the tension of two kingdoms. This idea of, of kingdom theology, and I want to explain a little bit about what that means this is a foundational piece to who we are as vineyard. This idea of, of kingdom. See, when the Bible talks about the kingdom of God, he's talking about the rule and the reign of God. It's where his, his righteousness, his justice, his wholeness, his healing, all of those things, that's where they're made known is that's the kingdom. So when Jesus comes, he ushers in a whole new era for humanity to experience the kingdom. We get to experience all of those amazing things. But the kingdom of God is still in the process uh, of coming. It's still in transition. And so we are in a very real battle with another kingdom that is Satan's kingdom. And so we live in the tension of those two worlds. And we know eventually, yes, God's kingdom, we know that the victory is ultimately Jesus. But this place of living in between, we call that the already and the not yet. And so because Jesus has come and he's ushered in the kingdom, we get to experience the victory and the blessing of what the kingdom means. But we also have to, to deal with the loss and the hurt and the pain that can sometimes come from living in a world that has not yet been fully redeemed by Jesus. That's the not yet. But you see, the key here is that what we can't do is base our faith on whether we're successful or not. We can't base it on our own success. That's not the way that this works. It's never about having to get it right or winning every time or being perfect in the same way that, that Jesus seemed to got it perfect every time. See, our job is not to get it perfect. Our job is simply to obey. Because we're in a very real battle that doesn't always go our way, but we never stop doing the stuff that Jesus asked us to do. 
we never give up because he never gives up on us. He said the Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. So how do we do it? Even if I believe it, how do I actually get to extend the miraculous? How do I actually get, get to be a part of doing this? See, we, we're actually, we're built, right? We've been talking about how we're built for everyday encounters. This is who we are. So what God does in you, he wants to do through you. God's given you a victory somewhere. He's empowered you with the authority to give that victory away to somebody else too. What he's done in you, he wants to do through you. So what are some basic steps that we can take to even make this happen? And for some of you, this may be a, a regular part of your walk with Jesus. And for some of you, you're just learning how to walk this out. So I just want to give some like four basic and pretty easy steps that we can walk through in this. The first one is that we invite the Holy Spirit into our day. That seems pretty basic, but we actually have to stop. If we want to be in a relationship with, with God, we have to invite his spirit to come and to speak to us. Who do you want me to encourage today? How would you like to encounter someone today? What's a word of encouragement that I can give to somebody today or a word of knowledge or how can I pray for someone? So if we ask the Holy Spirit, we have to also listen, right? So that's step two. We actually have to listen. We like to talk a lot when it comes to God. We don't often stop to listen, I know. So we listen and we have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to be putting on my, my ears to listen all day. And so if we've, we've asked the Holy Spirit, we've listened, the next step we have, uh, have to engage with is be interruptible. Now this one's really hard. We're all busy. We all got our calendars full. We've got our tasks list, whatever it is, the way that you like to do it. We, we know what we're going to do with our day or at least what we want to do with our day. And I'm speaking to myself here. It is hard to let ourselves be interruptible. But it is so important. If we want to bring the kingdom, we have to be able to stop and hear and be interruptible when God's speaking. Okay, so what if we do when all those things have happened? What, what is our, what's our next step? Well, I'll give you one, one really easy thing that we can do. Seven words. One question. Can I pray for you right now? Yeah, those, those, those words, that famous question I kept getting asked every time I came here and you all scared me to death. They change my life. They can change somebody else's life today. See, when we, when we pray right now, that's a step of faith, right? I didn't grow up that way, right? My experience was totally different. I learned that I work hard and I pray quietly. And if there's a problem, I worked harder and I prayed even more, but quietly. I might put in a prayer request but hopefully they would take it back to their quiet time and do it quietly there. That's how it worked. It was a good order and it worked. It was proper, right? See, when we say, can I pray for you right now, you're putting Jesus on display in a moment. What does that take? That takes faith, right? Faith, as John Wimber famously used to say, is spelled R-I-S-K. It's a risk. That risk takes obedience. We have to step outside of our, our fear of failure. But luckily, we're not judged based on whether we were successful or won or not. We're just, based, we're just completely judged on whether we were obedient. So when you ask, can I pray for you right now, you're saying, I'm willing to extend my life into the life of that person right now. Who goes with you when you extend your life? The Holy Spirit. Jesus. We get to be his hands, his feet, his love wherever we go and whatever we do. So when you extend your life, you're not just extending yourself, you're extending the power of Jesus, of the cross, of Holy Spirit, of all that God wants to bring into that situation. 
That's how we can change our families and our communities and our schools and our neighborhoods. We, we want to be kingdom communities. We have to be interruptible and allow the Holy Spirit to come. We are the solution that God has sent. You in your seat are the solution that God has sent. When you ask, how will my family get better? How will my workplace be better? How will my school be better? How will my neighborhood be better? God says, I sent you and through you myself. Be the hope that somebody needs. It can happen in your everyday. There's lots of different ways this can happen. I have, uh, a lot of, I have four kids. I'm doing a lot of pickup and a lot of drop off. You know, it might be helping out and praying for that daycare worker. As a chauffeur, I can still ask, can I pray for you right now? And if that teacher's life, if that person that daycare's life is better, then my kids are probably going to have a better day too. Maybe you're a nurse who's working and caring for people in a really tough time in their life, but you have the opportunity to bring them hope and say, can I pray for you right now? Maybe you're a manager who, who can make the life of your, of your employees better by calling out the gold. Their life is better because you're in it and you bring Jesus to the table. God shows up in our obedience and, and not just our success or failures. It's so important that we understand that. Our job, is, it's, it's not to win. Our job is simply to be obedient. And I want you guys to hear a story today of, uh, of obedience. I'm going to invite Joanna Machen to come on up. <laughs> Joanna's awesome. You saw her. She's uh, been one of our worship leaders here for a long time. In fact, somebody was looking for Joanna last week and says, worship Joanna. Yeah, I know who that is. That's actually your name now, worship Joanna. So Joanna is also part of our School of Kingdom ministry team, and she's doing a great job with that. And she shared this amazing testimony. Yes. She shared this amazing testimony uh, and one of our staff and I said, would you be willing to share that same testimony today? Because I think it's such a great story of this simple obedience. So, Joanna, I'll let you share. Thanks. Um, okay, so many, many evenings I like to take a walk around this apartment complex near where I live. And as I walk, there are um, garage units that people can rent. And for about a week and a half, I had noticed that one particular garage unit, the door was always open and there was always a car with the hood up. So obviously somebody was trying to fix their vehicle. Um, well, this one particular night, I walked past that open garage and this thought flew through my head that just said, um, go back and pray that that person will be able to fix their car. And I thought, no, <laughs> um, no thank you. Uh, I was like, no, that's not God. That was just me. That was just me. No, 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 no. And I kept walking a little, and then I thought, oh, what if it is God? And I thought, what would it cost you? What would it cost you? Nothing. It would cost you nothing to go back and do that and be obedient. And I also thought, you work for the School of Kingdom Ministry, and you kind of have to. <laughs> So I turned around and I joyfully marched back. Mm. No. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be awkward. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I'm going to do it. So I got to the garage door and I peeked my head in and I was like, hi. <laughs> so you fixing your engine? <laughs> you know, smooth. And so this, this um, gentleman walked out and he was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fixing my engine. And he starts to just tell me what's going on. He said, you know, my son didn't change the oil. And this, his, the engine exploded on the interstate, basically. And he was having to rebuild a brand new engine in this thing. And so he goes, come on, let me show you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> 
hey, stranger, I'll go into your garage with you. Um, because Jesus knows I'm here. <laughs> right? So I go in, and he, he shows me the engine, and he's like, you see, I, I rebuilt everything. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And he goes, what, do you see this? Do you th see this wire? And do you see this wire? And he goes, all of these wires have to be connected very specifically in a very specific way. And he goes, and I don't know how to do it. I'm stuck. He said, I have been watching YouTube videos, reading manuals, tutorials, like, and I cannot figure it out. I'm stuck, and this is the last thing I need. And I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so we walked out of the garage, and I was like, so this might seem weird. I go, but as I was walking past your garage, I feel like God told me to come back and to pray that you'll be able to fix your car. Is it okay if I do that? And he was like, okay, all right. And I go, okay, is it okay if I put my hand on your car? See? Because that's what we do in the vineyard, right? You ask permission. <laughs> so I put my hand on his car, and I just started to pray. I said, Lord, thank you for this man, that you have given him such a mind that he is able to build an engine. That is so awesome, God. And so, Lord, I pray that when he goes and looks at his engine again, that you'll just show him exactly what he needs to do, and he'll be able to fix his car. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. And so then we, we chit-chatted a little bit more, and then I said, all right, well, blessings. I'm fixing your car, and I continued on my walk. And I, I walk in a loop. So as I was coming back around, I thought, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, Jesus showed up in his garage and, like, showed him how to do it? And I'd be like, what would I say? You know, and I was like, okay, here's what I would say. And so I start, like, thinking, this is what I'm going to say. And then I come back around, and sure enough, he is standing in front of his garage waiting for me. And he waves to me to come over. And I walk over to him, and he's just looking at me. He says, what was your name? And I said, Joanna. And he goes, I don't understand. And I said, tell me what happened. And he said, as soon as you walked away, I walked into my garage, and I looked at the engine, and suddenly I could see everything, and I knew exactly what to do. And so he's like, come here, let me show you, and I go in, and he's like, do you see this wire? Do you see this wire? Do you see that? I didn't see that. He goes, you don't understand. I have been here since this morning trying to do this all day. You don't understand. And he was just like, I don't understand. And I said, here's what happened. God stopped me to come and pray for you that you would be able to fix your car because he loves you, he knows your name, and he cares whether you can fix your car or not. Come on. And Come I on. just kept telling him, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. He's running after your heart. He wants to be in your life. And, we, and he just was overwhelmed. And he even, he just started, he had tears in his eyes, and he just said, please. He's like, please, go, go. Because I'm going to cry. And I said, okay, okay. And I just blessed him, and I walked away, and I just cried all the way home, thanking Jesus. And, you know, I took, I've taken more walks since then, and I've seen him again. And I saw him the next time, and I said, hey, how's it going? And he's like, it's great. And my car is running perfectly. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Joe. I love that story.
It's, it's so different than our expectations even than when we talk about the miraculous. Because miraculous looks so different in so many different situations. And, and what, what I love about Joanna's story is she wasn't walking around her neighborhood with her superhero cape on like, I'm here to do the miraculous. <laughs> she does do that sometimes, but this was not one of those times. You can ask her about it. It's kind of weird. But it was, it was a moment of time of saying, I'm listening. I've asked Holy Spirit. And I was, she was willing to be interruptible. She didn't want to be interrupted. She wanted to be able to say no, but she was obedient. She said, yes, okay, I'll do it. Now, I'm not encouraging all of you ladies to go jump into somebody's random garage, by the way. It better be God leading you, and yes, so we'll, we'll go through that, but be safe out there. But here's the thing. God's not looking for, for exceptional superheroes, right? He's looking for exceptional obedience. We aren't, we aren't normal people. We expect the supernatural to show up in our everyday life. That's not normal. Guess what? You are in union with the creator of the universe. It should show. It should show. That's who we're meant to be. See, every, every Christ follower has encountered this love, has experienced this transformation. So we've been brand new, given brand new identities, and we're called to be naturally supernatural people who extend the miraculous everywhere we go. So how will you extend the miraculous today, tomorrow? What's the risk that you're willing to take this week? Here's my encouragement to you. Let this be the week where you ask somebody, can I pray for you right now? Pray with me right now. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your presence here today. God, I thank you that you are always with us. You're never going to forsake us. God, that you've called every single one here to be part of your army, to see your kingdom move forward. You give each one of us marching orders. You've called each of us to a destiny that is far beyond what we expect in the natural. I thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your willingness to let us partner with you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name. Right now, we get, to, we get to stop. We get to encounter his love as we worship. So let's stand up right now. And what I want is, as you're, as you're worshiping today, let yourself be interruptible even in worship. What is God speaking to you? How is he speaking to you? You are God's solution to fix a broken world because you carry Jesus inside of you. Let's worship like the creator of the universe is in union.